I'm Dylan Stafford, and welcome to Drive Time, UCLA Anderson's podcast about some of the most interesting and ambitious people in our community. Available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. Welcome to Drive Time. My name is Dylan Stafford. I'm an assistant dean here at UCLA Anderson. I am your host. I have a wonderful guest today. This is going to be Assistant Dean Smorgasbord, because from across campus, the Assistant Dean, the Chief Financial Officer, a UCLA Anderson graduate, Steve Yu, is my guest today. And uh, Steve and I have known each other almost 20 years. We go way back. And um, this is a, a new role that he took on three years ago, one of the most prestigious law schools in the world. And he's the man who knows where the money is, and he's uh, being a big leader over there. He is also a, a actually an excellent public speaker and is um, got some entrepreneurial investor type things going. So um, I've been wanting to interview Steve for a long time because he's a double Bruin and a wonderful leader and a great voice of UCLA, both undergrad and grad. So Steve, welcome. Thanks, Dylan. And th- thank you for that. That's a very generous introduction. Hey. And, I'll, and I'll say, you know what? I wasn't always a good public speaker. And I, I, I have a, a, a great story to share on that a little well, bit later. Okay, good. Well, we're going we're gonna to get to hear all of it. You know, I, one of the things I like about you is I, I view you professionally as an alumni success, but I also, because I've known Steve a long time, we've we've shared a lot of, we're kind of like cross-campus work friends, you know, in addition to he helps us with recruiting and uh, being an alumni voice, but I consider you both an alumni success and a life success because you just always are on the court doing stuff. And I love that about you. Thank you. Thank you. And, and honestly, I attribute a lot of that to Anderson to the FEMBA program, which stretches you and pulls you. And, uh, and one of the statements that I make now that I'm 20, almost 20 years out here is that the FEMBA program, UCLA Anderson, really changes your DNA. Ah. You, you can't be the same person you were when DNA. you started. The yeah. DNA changes. I'm telling you, it changes. Well, let's, okay. So let's, let's, cause I like the after. So let's talk about the before. So tell people a little bit about your California native. Where'd you grow up? Tell us about your family. Okay. Uh, born and raised in California. My parents were immigrants from South Korea in the 60s. They were some of the first Korean people to come over. Okay. My dad was entrepreneurial. He decided, you know what? I'm going to pick up the kids, move to Central California, start a farm. Wow. So he did was that. Was he a farmer in South Korea? He was not. What was he before? Uh, he, he just did odd end jobs there. And, and he, somehow he got inspired when he got here. He took a didn't really speak English very well. Went to Cal Poly Pomona, took a couple farming related classes. All of a sudden, he thought he was an expert, right? So he moves out to the Central Valley, and then we, he's been in business there ever since. He's he's in his late 80s now. Late but, yeah, 80s. Yeah, and man, that guy still loves to move, loves to move. Yeah. And he's, he's physically active, still farming? Yep, absolutely, yep. Oh Six God. days a week, he's out and trying to do some stuff. I mean, not as much as when, say, 20 years ago, but he's, he, he loves to stay active. So, you know, that's where I found, I think I found some of my work ethic is growing up on the farm. So you literally had like that do physical labor kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm not sure I can say this, but since age seven, I've been on the farm (laughs) working manual labor, helping out (laughs) (laughs) in the family farm. But so and we worked six days, six days a week. It was hard work. What was your day off? Was it Sunday or Sunday? Sunday. Sunday. So we can go to church and do all that stuff. But that was the, the day of rest. And, you know, some days I stay late and I call my mom every day because I, I want to keep her up to date with like what's See, happening. this guy, life success. <laughs> this is a good human being right here. So, so I don't call, I call my mom twice a week. Okay. All right. Now I'm feeling. And technology, I FaceTime her. Okay. So I'll oh, FaceTime nice. her. It'll be, I don't know, 7, 8 p.m. at night. So not not necessarily that late. She's like, you're at work late again. And I'm like, mom, this is your fault. <laughs> right? I mean, where did I learn I, this? Yeah. Where did I learn this from? In fact, I think I, I don't, I worked harder as a kid than I do now. And so that's why I have to keep myself busy. I hope busy your boss so is not listening. He's a, he's a CFO. He's a hardworking guy. <laughs> I, I work hard. I, I put my hours in. Yeah. And and but that but that's one of the reasons why uh, I, I see him as an entrepreneur and as a role model. I see him and mm. and my parents as I mean, man, they came over here. They didn't speak any English either, and they had they were tough. They were tough. And so I'm trying to be even half as bold as them to do the things that I do. Another country, another language, and a new vocation yeah with with a family right right they did it they did it and we all went to college <laughs> we're like and... trying to pick a major <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so uh we, we 
I like to think that I, I have it good compared to them. Yeah. Wow. And, and I thank them constantly. And that's why I call my mom every day and, and talk to Aww. my dad too. So Aww. be good to your family. Be good to your family, to your parents while you still have them. Life lesson number yeah. one. Wow. In, in late 80s. So you're going to be around for, you're going to be lost. Hopefully, hopefully. That's I'll, awesome. I'll you got considered. those, you got those genes. Yeah. Well, okay. So Central Valley, um, you know, going to go to college or not? Did they, how'd you, how'd you choose UCLA? First time undergrad. I got into two schools. Okay. UC Davis and UCLA. Oh, well, wouldn't and, the Aggies have been the more? Yeah, and that's where my dad wanted to go. But as as a kid growing up on a farm in a small podunk town of Delano, California. Uh, How big is Delano? Now, back then, it was probably 20,000 people. Okay. So it's, it's small-ish. The, the, town, the town I grew up in was actually about seven miles north, and it was 2,000 people. Oh, oh Delano, so it's small. Delano was the big, big town. Big city, yeah. yeah. So when it came to choosing schools, it's like UCLA, I'm like the, the prestige of UCLA, even back in the '90s, and I'm like, I, I, I back in the go, '90s, you yeah. Troy Aikman, yeah. the '90s, yeah, were, yeah, sure, the '90s sure, were good, sure, sure. <laughs> sure. And but that's why I was like, you know, I've got to go to the big city, like mm-hmm. LA, Los Angeles, just seemed the allure, Hollywood, Westwood, just seemed like I had to go there. So against the wishes of my father, oh. he, who wanted me to go study, you know agricultural economics at Davis. Yeah. I came to UCLA and I've been here ever since. Anyone out there ever choose, it's either you choose the major they want you to do or you choose like the opposite. So. But he's so proud now because he gets to see the basketball and the football on TV, even though I mean, that's questionable about the wins, but at least hey, he's, we're doing he's good at basketball. We're, yeah, we're, fair, fair point, fair point. Yeah, we, we pulled it out against <laughs> yeah. Arizona Saturday night. Yeah. That, was, that was a good win. That was a good win. So, okay, so you came here economics mm-hmm. and then you kind of never left. Kind of never left, yeah. So, so what, what happened after undergrad? You know, when I graduated, I remember thinking again, because I, I grew up on a farm, mm-hmm. go to college, but there's nothing really much more after college in terms of education. And I remember saying at graduation that there is zero percent chance, zero, that I go to grad school. Zero. Zero. It's not zero. Not, not doing I that. got my bachelor's. I'm good. Yeah. Right? I'm going to move back to the farm. I'm going to be a farmer. I don't need anything else. I ended up staying in L.A. And it was after that, though, that after a couple of years of working, I'm like, man, this is it. Like, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to it. And then just kind of bored with early 20s job yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, basically. And it was, I was just two years out of UCLA and came across a GMAT prep course at UCLA Extension. And I'm like, ah, what the heck? You know, okay. I'll take it. And and then that's when that journey just started to unfold. It was seemed kind of random. Like I said, I had no intention of going to grad school after undergrad. And man, it is it is an Going to Anderson, like just to say this up front, is like the top three things I've ever done in my life. Top three, top three of anything I've done in my life. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And you got admitted before I got here, so that's mm. you know, like you were looking. Um, I know it's a long time ago, but what kind of like okay, bored with my job, totally get that. And then did you know business? Were the other grad degrees that you were looking at or? Kind of, no, yeah. I, I always knew I'd be some sort of business. Okay, yeah, I, that just made sense. Yeah. Economics. And- Economics. I was always good with numbers. My dad is an entrepreneur. So I always had like thought I had some sort of kind of business sense. Um, but but I can tell you, like the first time I applied to Anderson, there was a straight up no. The first time. The first time. And it was no. And at first, you know, no one likes to be rejected. But no. I decided, you know what? I'm going to strengthen my application. I took a couple more classes. I, 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 I feel like I worked on myself to improve the application the second time around. Okay. And then guess what happened? I got waitlisted. Oh, so I'm like, yes, that's progress. It's progress. Not Hey, quite. that's true. That's true. No to maybe is a step up. Yeah. And, and luckily, luckily, um, the admissions committee at the time decided to go ahead and let me in that second time. So I got in off the waitlist and nice. here Good. I was. Here I yeah. was. I mean, when you're on the waitlist, it's not a no, but it's also not a yes. Yeah. Like if you, if you, just bring us a couple more little pieces, you know, mm-hmm. better test score, another recommendation, promotion at work. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cause that's the, the waitlist communication is you're close, you know, like we see the baseline. Nobody's ever on the waitlist who doesn't have the baseline and it's a competitive program. So, right. well, thank All you right. for sticking it out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for letting me in. <laughs> well, I didn't do it as my predecessor. My predecessor. Now, okay. So we, we've had different schedule iterations. So you were in the Thursday, Saturday, which right. is a schedule we don't offer anymore. Now we have Tuesday night, Thursday night or all day Saturday or hybrid. Um, but you know, what was the, what was, what was it like coming back to school? You got into student government. Mm-hmm. And so I was on FEMBA council. 
I was lucky in the sense that I was already working on campus. I was at the law school by this point, and man, I to come to class took me five minutes to walk over. Best right? commute in the world, right? Yeah, for sure. Lunchtime talk, I could come over for that. Nice. So I was one of the very, very few in my cohort from FEMBA that crossed over and interacted with the full-time MBAs. Oh, okay. And that, I mean, just because that, I mean, that that's part of that's the other half of the MBA experience is the networking, yeah. is the connections. And, and so I'm really happy that even though I was busy, we're all busy of work, still working 45, 50 hours a week. I know other people work more, some people work less and doing class, doing FEMBA council, doing student government, and then also making sure to get the social aspect and the networking in and not just within my section, not within just FEMBA, but also all of Anderson. And, and luckily again, my job and location geography lended itself to be able to do that. That's yeah, that's great. You know, just it's and whatever, you know, we have people fly in from out of state. We have people who come down from the Bay Area, whichever schedule you pick. You know, I, I always say, you know, our job is put more on the calendar than than you have time in your day. Absolutely. But it's that that's a problem. But it's a problem that you're paying for. You're paying good money for us to overstuff the calendar with cool choices. Right. And then you got to, you know, you can't do everything. You do the ones that are most valuable. And there's a almost like self-correcting discernment that goes along with going through the journey of an MBA because you're just constantly forced to choose mm -hmm. social, academic, extracurricular, work, family. You know, it's it's just like being CEO of your own life. And you can't do everything. Mm -hmm. So priority, priority, priority and, and building that muscle. So yeah. sorry, and, that's the commercial. <laughs> well, I mean, I would add to that, too, that it, it's different for everyone. There is no right, right or wrong way to do Anderson or business school in general. And you have to figure out what's right for you and, and, and what that means to you. And it could change throughout your time in school as well. Mm -hmm. And. You, let's see, so you, the Global Access Program, one of our hallmarks, uh, your your team was with a company in New Zealand? Yeah, we, right? we did it with the, it was called Trade New Zealand. Okay. It was the export arm of the government. And so they were trying to help local businesses break into the U.S. market. So they send, the, you know, a big delegation down there. And I remember the first week, the first meeting we had was with the the head of the New Zealand Stock Exchange. Wow. It's a powerful guy, right? And and yeah, it's New Zealand smaller, small country, but the level of of respect and deference he gave us. He gave you. He gave us. Cuz like, wow. You're the student. UCLA exactly. Ah. Yeah. I'm like he's like I mean, he's he's the working professional running in a major stock exchange. And then looking at us, but like, he's like, you guys are UCLA Anderson students. Like, nice. Yeah, you're UCLA Anderson. So that prestige across the ocean, right? And into international waters is, says a lot about the brand that's associated with it. Oh, and it walked in the door with you. I mean, I'm sure you, yeah, you know, you've got your professional yeah. etiquette yeah. and because yeah. it, you know, our global access program, six month capstone. And it's a, you know, it's a, it's a hand in glove consultancy with a going concern. So in this case, the trade board of an entire country. And they're paying time and effort and resources because they want five MBAs to take their precious analytical superpower brain and aim it at their at their baby, at their mm -hmm. their thing, their organization, their entity, their company. Right. And then you know, at the end of it, you give an investment quality business plan and recommendation to go forward. Do you remember like how they received your final presentation? We did uh, a video projection from Cornhall over to, to a whole group of government officials and, and businesses. And I remember that they, it was a six month engagement and they were really both impressed and happy and felt wiser and more knowledgeable from, from the work that we did. So we were, I was really happy with that. I was really happy with that. Yeah, it, like the, the amount of faculty and student time that goes into Gap is in my observation, that's, it's equivalent to an entire MBA at another school. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's our capstone. It's not the whole, pro I mean, right. the, the, the amount of planning and preparation and, and attention that people give to that journey. Mm -hmm. I, I love the global access program. Business creation option is the other option, but it's such the, it's such the chance to bring together the learning and aim it at something that's real. Right. And, and that's the key part. It's like, you're dealing with people's lives. Like yeah. before, like you were just trying to, you're just dealing with your grade so you can make up something. You have a great presentation, a great write-up on the story, but now you can't mess around. Mm -hmm. Right. This is real. This is where you know, the rubber 
meets the road, like like you say. And and so that was both pressure and opportunity for us to leverage what we learned and deliver value to these live clients. And so and you scary, and, scary. And you simulcast it. So they were over they were yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You, you brought, now were you one of the presenters? Do you remember? Yeah. Okay, excellent. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. That's a big deal too. Who gets to be the presenter? Yeah. I mean, somebody you know, somebody doing the background. I'm going to run the numbers and I'm going to answer the Q and A. But somebody's got to step up and say, "Dear client." Yeah, and I remember uh, that. I remember walking up to the podium where the mic was, and they had the the video and the the big projector behind us, and I I blanked. Oh no! I I completely forgot what I was going to say. I came up, and it felt like minutes, but I mean, it was probably like two seconds. But it was one of those moments too, where it's just like. Oh man, this this is this is going to be a train wreck. This is gonna, but did you have a prompt? How'd you get out of it? It it, it came back to me slowly. Okay, uh, which is uh, probably a good segue into the public speaking stuff. Yeah, yeah. Let's tell them about. So it. so that's the end of of Anderson and the public speaking piece of freaking out, but still holding it together. I was able mm-hmm. to speak within a couple of seconds, but it was the a couple of long, yeah, seconds. very long seconds. Because when you're in front of a yeah. microphone, in front of an audience, it's like it's a time warp. Yeah, it's that tunnel vision. I came up and. That whatever was, I was supposed to say was not in my periphery at that very second. So it, it was, I remember freezing. I was freaking out inside and just wow. trying to hold it together. And so, but fast forward now back, oh, sorry, rewind back to the beginning of my Anderson days. You know, this is Gap. This is the end. This is the capstone. It was residential weekend. You know? mm-hmm. So here I am. I had just gotten re- recently led into the school off the wait list. Already feeling like I don't belong. Oh, yeah. As I was the accountant. Everybody, everybody feels like that. Yeah. Trust me. I didn't know that. <laughs> but nobody says it, but we all feel it. So so I sit down and I remember we were sitting next to each other and I had I was selected to give a presentation later that evening. And on my left hand side was an attorney. On my right hand side, literally sitting next to me, was a NASA scientist. Now these are classmates. These not, are classmates. not faculty. Correct. These are classmates. An <laughs> classmates. attorney and a NASA scientist. Nice. And here I am. An accounting manager off the wait list from UCLA. I just I just didn't feel like I belong, right? And so I just remember sitting there hunched over like this. And <laughs> Let me just be invisible. And having to give this presentation. We had dinner in front of us. I couldn't eat. I felt like I wanted to throw up. This is during orientation. This is leadership this is foundation. Yeah. 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 Wow. yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I was like this close to being like, you know, I, I can't do this. Like Aww. this, this is this is just too much. I, I don't belong here. This is this this was a mistake. I wanted to leave. I wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we, we challenge ourselves to overcome some obstacle, some fear when we start off Anderson. Yeah. And mine was public speaking. That moment, I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I did it and it went fine. Yeah. And through the next three years of, of Anderson, I volunteered for every presentation I could. Oh, you did. And I was freaking out still, but like, I could do it. I could do it. And then each one got a little bit better. But, but on purpose, like, let me put myself in that learning right, opportunity. Right. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm going to master this. That's good. That's good. Like the things like stuff that scares us, go try it. Yeah. And it's less scary. It's, it's, it's like that. Yeah. And so, so that fear kind of subsided through the years, through each presentation saying that like, Hey, you know, I'm not going to die. Like, even though <laughs> I feel like it, uh, to the point when, after I graduated though, I realized that, you know, not being afraid of public speaking or having fear of public speaking is one part. But being effective is a whole nother thing, a whole nother thing. And wow. So this is post MBA now. Mm -hmm. And it was, and again, driven by this need to succeed, to learn, to grow, which fostered during the Anderson days. I I joined Toastmasters. I started working on my public speaking and got to the point where not only did I start to overcome that fear, start to be more effective at it, that I got asked to teach a seminar on it and I did. And I'm like, at first I'm like, what the heck do I teach? I don't know what to teach. Do you, you taught your own material? Or? Mm-hmm. So I created a curriculum, nice. taught it, went okay. And from there, what would you call it? What'd you call your module? Public speaking 101. Very, very clear. Very academic, right? Yeah. <laughs> hey. Not very creative. I'm an accountant, but, but, it, <laughs> but it is what it is, right? right? It works. No, no ambiguity. And so from there, through word of mouth, someone would ask me to teach a different seminar. Hey, will you actually go to this university? Will you, will you give a talk at Skechers? You know, and so it just started to grow. So this is one of my my side hustles and what I really enjoy doing is because I find that everyone or most everyone has some fear of public speaking. 
Yeah. You know, there's something about it. Some have managed to overcome it. Some are com- more comfortable with it because they do it as part of their job. That when I can come in and teach them something very tangible, something mm-hmm. very actionable, that they can walk away with, with experience immediately to, to go apply it, that they, they find a lot of value in that. So just last weekend, um, what is this now? Like five days ago, I was at USC Marshall. So don't hold that against me. I know I'm a double Bruin. I work here. I love my Bruins. I am fully Bruin, but this was for a good cause. There's a, there's a new program over there called With Your Shield. With it, Your Shield. Yes. It's a, a nice name. It's a military vet active, active service bridge program to civilian life. Nice. And Very most nice. of these guys want to get into business. And so last week I taught my third cohort and it was an eight hour training. Ooh. I taught an eight hour training to a team of nine Navy SEALs. You taught nine Navy SEALs? Nine Navy SEALs for eight hours. Whoa. And so that's this journey that started with residential at Anderson. So this is how the story all relates. We're deathly afraid of public speaking, almost didn't want to stay to deciding I'm going to overcome that fear because that's what Anderson does. Like, challenge yourself to overcome an obstacle or fear. Did that, worked on it, became competent with it to the point where I would teach you know, a seminar to a couple of undergrads to the point now where you know, a team of Navy SEALs for a whole day. And it, it went fantastically. Like they, they love it. And I, and I love Do they have them. any fear of public speaking? You know, that's so funny you ask that. I mean, for those of you who don't know the American military system, Navy SEALs are some of the senior, the most trained soldiers. Yeah, they're, I mean, they're the most elite yeah. military special ops force out there. And it, it's funny because I give them some training and then want them to practice it, right? This, okay. this is what real life's about. So I have each one come up and speak for two to five minutes. On topic what? What did they talk about? Topic of themselves. Okay. Share a personal story. So it's, it's about them. They, they should be able to do it very easily. All right. Okay. And after each one goes, all nine people went, all nine vets went. And so I'm asked, okay, so how was it? When the guy speaks, I was like, I was freaking out. Really? Yeah. I'm like, but if you look at him, no, great you posture, wouldn't see it on steady the voice, calm, like you would not think it at all. And actually several of them says like, yeah, I hated that. That was, I was, I was, my nerve, like my nerves were going, I was sweating. These are people who could go into a combat situation and handle themselves and yet public speaking does something right we're in front of our fellow species Mm -hmm. and it brings up some stuff yeah yeah but but they they learn to mask it at least Mm -hmm. so i i I, so this is the third time i've taught them so with some of my other friends and other people that i coach i'm like hey channel your inner navy seal nice right and just be calm and like fake it till you make it channel your inner navy seal i didn't even know i had it yeah yeah, exactly i mean but the people get it i mean they understand Mm -hmm. what that means well, and, you know, and, and to kind of also your public speaking. So I love the genesis of like a commitment that I'm going to give myself a professional competency that I don't have before an MBA. Because that a lot. How do you get the value of an MBA? Come in here hungry for something. I want to understand finance. I want to understand marketing. I, you know, I, I don't I want to develop mastery in finance. I want to develop mastery in marketing. So you gave yourself a goal. One of the things I love that you talk about sometimes when you talk to our, our guests at recruiting events is you talk about the three C's. So confidence is one. Mm-hmm. Why don't give give people a little bit of okay. your, your three C's because I like this guy's a thinker. He's an interesting human being. I love it's it. It's also because I'm cheesy, and that's not one of the C's. Okay, uh, okay. So. <laughs> confidence cheesy. No, it's not. no, no. It's it, I call it the three C's of of MBAs. Of three C's of MBA. Yeah. Nice. And, and more specifically for Anderson or for Femba, but I mean it can apply to other things too. Which is that that MBA, that experience of getting the degree. From, from a highly regarded institution gives you that personal confidence, right? Mm-hmm. That's very internal based, right? Like I'm, I'm an, I'm an MBA, I'm an Anderson MBA, yeah. right? And that carries its own weight, just like in New Zealand at the stock exchange or nice. even around here, you know, yeah. number one public university in the world, right? Number right. one, three years in a row, right? Right. Yeah. right. And so not bad. Phenomenal. Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Yeah. NBD just did a day's work. And so that gives you that personal confidence yeah. that MBA does. The second thing it does is it gives you credibility with people around you. Mm-hmm. So I work at the law school. We're number 15 law schools, so top tier law school, youngest youngest law school in the top 20. So we have our own bragging rights and whatever. But I'm surrounded by a bunch of JD and lawyer trained people. Okay. Great. I mean, extremely smart. They can analyze, they can debate. And I'm the only non-JD person, but I'm an MBA. So 
happy to go toe to toe. You know, like yeah. there's nothing less or more about an MBA compared to a JD. But having that MBA from Anderson gives me the credibility to to make decisions as as we have financial discussions or whatever with these law faculty or JD trained people or or big law firm partners. Right? There's mm-hmm. there's a certain uh, rapport and respect that comes with it. So that gives you that's the second C, which is credibility. Mm. And then the third piece that everyone talks about all the time is is the network, which I call community. Mm, nice. So the people that you interact with, the people that make you better, the connections that you have, that that community is is so important. So you can you can go to class, you can do the homework, you can participate in class discussions, but that's half the MBA experience. The other half is the networking piece, the community building, mm-hmm. the collaborations, the, the face-to-face interactions you have with people that you can call up and say, hey, you know what? I have this going on. What would you do with this? Or like, hey, I have a, I have a mentee that I'd love for you to interview or whatever. That That's what makes the brand and the network so much stronger is all the different pieces in between connecting everything together. Nice. So those are my, my three C's of, of Anderson MBA, confidence, credibility, and community. Not not cheese. <laughs> not cheesy. Not cheesy. <laughs> Although I, I I'm a little bit cheesy. Yeah. Hey, you know, public speaking. You know, you use you use what you got. Yeah. You, whatever whatever's gonna whatever's gonna help people stay awake and remember <laughs> what you're talking about. Okay. So so you know, being the CFO, assistant dean of UCLA Law. Anything? Just I mean, that's kind of recent. Last three years. So yeah. anything people might be curious about about like leading up to it or what it was like to step into that because that's a high visibility position in a in a vaunted institution yeah there's a lot so i've been in my office literally in the same office for 23 years the physical same office yeah physical same office but with all these different titles all these different titles i came in as entry-level accountant when i came to anderson i was accounting manager i got promoted to controller to then finally make cfo it took me two decades right two decades it's a long time but well, you're I gonna did. live to be 88 <laughs> yeah. and still be cooking because you got the genes from your dad. Right. Wow. And and during that time though, like part of like what I contribute to my success is I worked for the same CFO the whole time. Wow. So having someone who cares about you, who advocates for you. He was an Anderson grad as well. So when it came time for applications and 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 refer- references and recommendations, he wrote one, and I'm sure that wow. that carried a lot of weight too. And so having someone that's going to watch out for you, he's yeah. also going to be a sounding board. In fact, even before this interview, I had a talk with him. He retired three years ago. I took his job, but we still keep in contact. And he's still a mentor. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let me just grab that because I tell people like when you pick your two recommenders, sure, pick somebody who's going to help you get admitted. Of course, pick someone who knows you professionally and is willing to take some time out of their busy life to say good things about your professional character. Fine. But like, Wow. Also pick someone who is going to be interested after you get admitted. Like what an opportunity to build a bridge to a human being who can help you and guide your journey, which like that's, this is a case study in that. Yeah. We spent 40 minutes on the phone just this afternoon, right before, before this, just having a conversation about like what's going on. And and so, so it's, it's nice to have that, but related to that as, as he, I felt like took care of me as, as part of that 20 year success story, I took care of him. Mm. And so people ask me, like, well, what's in your job description? Mm-hmm. And I have one thing in my job description, as far as I'm concerned. Make your boss's job easier. Okay. That's it. That was your North That's Star. It. Yeah. Just follow yeah. that. Yeah. Just whatever I could do. Because the way I looked at it is by doing that, like, the boss always has more to do. They just yeah. can't get to enough stuff. So if I can relieve him or her of, of responsibilities, they can focus on higher level things. Mm-hmm. Makes me... Honestly, a little bit indispensable to that person. Not bad. A little strategic. I mean, this guy's been there 23 years. Right. Yeah. Did something right. Uh, you learn, right? You learn by doing what they're doing or what they're focused on. And and it also just builds that relationship too. Mm-hmm. And so I, I figured out like my management leadership style is very much based on people as people, not as employees. Mm. And, and, and so it's, it's hard for me to distinguish the employee from the person, but because but, we're all people at the end of the day, we all have personal lives, we have struggles, we have issues, we have things to celebrate. And if it's only just about work, hey, did you process enough widgets today? Really, is that is it that important? But you know, if you 
take care of your people, you know, they'll take care of you and they'll take care of the job. Mm. And so that kind of evolved working for John. His name is John Power, the former CFO and my mentor, my friend, my, like my, my, my dad in some ways and just yeah. so many different titles. And I think that's one of the things too, is he wore different hats as, as needed for, for, for the relationship because he knew me when I was 23 you know, here I am in my in my upper forties now, and so he's gotten to see me grow and you know mess up and and succeed. And he came to my graduation from Anderson and everything, so he's part of the Anderson alumni community. So it, it's a nice little story too. Well, there's you know I always consider you a leader, and I don't not like character wise, but you lead stuff. You you know you're active in the alumni network, you're active at work. One of the things is my data point for why I know you're a leader is I have lots of incredible alumni who come back and speak at open houses and recruiting events. You're the only one I know who always brings, you've always got like a couple of mentees. <laughs> like everybody else right. brings their story and their passion and their wonderfulness, but you bring human beings with you. You know, that I love that definition, you know, what's a leader? Someone who has followers, you know, and they're, and they're so it's, it, I also see you paying what John gave to you. I see you paying yeah. for it to generations. That's yeah, like that's what, why, why get an MBA? Well, you know, will I have the confidence to walk into the room? Will I have the confidence to have something to say? And will I have the connections where somebody, you know, will listen to me? And then, you know, and after a while you get, your stuff's good. Now you can give it away to other people. And I see you doing that. Yeah. And, and what I find about the mentees is like, I might be older, I might be more experienced, but really the learning is, is circular. Mm-hmm. So I'm really into meditation and yoga and I got that from one of my mentees who oh, recommended right. an app to, to use Headspace and, and do that. Cause she's really into, you know, she's, she's 25 years, my junior and recommended all these. And I'm, you know, here I am at, at our, at our session and I'm taking notes on stuff. So part of that is just the philosophy of being always open to learn and that you know, everyone has something to teach someone else. Nice. They're an expert in something or, or, or more knowledgeable in something. And I'm happy to, to learn and be inspired, which is why I like to even come back to admissions events or do alumni things because I get inspired by these people, even though they're like pre MBA, they're just now thinking about it. They're a few years into your career, but seeing how they approach life, things that they've done, you know, their, their level of hard work and industriousness and, and philosophy. Like, I feel like you surround yourself with just that, that type of energy. It's, it's contagious. Right. And yeah. that's why coming back is easy for me. You know, the energy of, Pre-MBA students, MBA students, alumni, man, it's just it's just a whole network of stuff. It is the energy. And yeah, it, it is an energy. There's that's just university is a universe. It's yeah, a little it world really unto yeah. itself. Yeah. Well, okay, so we, we've talked about CFO assistant dean. We talked about your you called it a side hustle. You're with public speaking, but you have another side hustle. You have also gotten into investment work. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. tell us a little bit about and you even have a classmate connection in here. Yeah, so so that's one of the 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 nice that's the success stories of of the network of the community nice uh this this gentleman patrick harrington we were in the same cohort Mm -hmm. knew him from from our anderson student days and the real story is we like to go out to bars together and hang out that's that's the reality of it we was my drinking buddy you know and but here we were after graduation and it was actually three years ago he gave me a call We, we would keep in contact once a year but because Anderson and Femba, it's it's such a challenging experience. You feel pretty bonded to these mm. people. It's, it's a real tight connection. You can talk once a year, and that was plenty, right? Mm-hmm. And you felt like, like you, you pick up where you left off. Exactly. Yeah. It was like no time is lost. So he gave me a call. I knew after graduation he had been doing real estate deals in the Bahamas. So he gave me a call and said, Hey, you know what? We're we're we found this great hotel property. It's on it's it's on this great sale. We we want to invest it. And I'm like, Pat, that's great, dude. Th- thanks for calling and letting me know. And he's like, well, Steve, I, I-, I want to get my f- my best friends and my family in on this deal. Would you be willing to, to come in as-, as part of the investor group? Ooh, that just got real. Yeah, it got real. I'm like, <laughs> oh, you don't need wow. an attaboy. You need my checkbook. Yeah. Okay. But, man, I trusted this guy. Like, like I mean, he he's like a brother to me. Mm-hmm. Well, you've known him 20 years. Yeah, I've known, known him for 20 years. Followed his journey. I, yeah. yeah, and I knew he was successfully investing in the Bahamas. And so if he told me that this was an opportunity, and it was it was a very close deal. There's only a very select few people who would be, because it wasn't just the money piece. It was, you know, what are you bringing to the table? And ha- being in it, 
investor group that are value added and that would all get along, mm-hmm. right? That had the same philosophies in life and mm. visionaries, right? So he didn't really need my money. He he wanted me to be part of that to make the group you know, a stronger group, That's and true. and I invested. Mm-hmm. So then we we bought this hotel, thirty five boutique room hotel. It's nice. called the Peace and Plenty, Peace and Plenty Hotel in the Bahamas. Peace and Plenty, which which yeah. island? It's uh, Exuma. 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 I don't even know Exuma. Yeah. So it, it, it's it's not as it's not as well known, which is great because that means it's not, not not as touristy and whatnot. And it's just a great this great little boutique. It's, it's been on the island for sixty years. It's got this great history associated Ooh. with it. Bahamians are very proud of it. But we own it. Mm-hmm. And and actually, over the last two years, we've actually picked up two more properties. And so we're we're actually creating an entire hotel chain known as the Peace and Plenty Hotel. And and purchasing different properties, wow! All from a guy that I would hang out with and drink a beer with <laughs> at Anderson. Well, you know, the faculty say half of it's us <laughs> talking, giving you the information from the front of the room, and half of it is you, you know, talking to the people, right. the the lawyer and the NASA scientist, right. or you know, my drinking buddy, right? Right, like the the connections I make because I throw my head over the wall, I get in the boat. To blend metaphors, <laughs> I throw my hat in the boat. I jump off a wall. I don't know. I get my MBA from Anderson, and I meet these people. And Professor Foster from the Global Access yeah. Program loves to say three questions you ask your entire career, every day, all day, for an entire business career. Who are you? Where are you going? Can I trust you? Wow. Over and over yeah. and over. That's and and you you develop your ability to actually look at a bunch of human beings and and figure out who has the competency. Who's got the chemistry? Who who do I want to spend? Like, I love the option of an MBA. Like, I get to spend my time with great people. Mm-hmm. First, find some great people because yeah. you want to always avoid the snakes. You know, mm-hmm. that's part of life is just don't surround yourself with people who don't have good outcomes right. at heart. But then when you have people who are actually doing their best, can I put myself in partnership with, with good people? Right. Yeah. You know, so surround myself with them. Let them bring out the best in me. Let me help bring out the best yeah. in them. That's so cool. He didn't, quote unquote, need your money, but he was interested in your partnership right. and what you could bring to the endeavor. And now it's growing. Right. And, it, and it's growing every year. And you, you say something, too, that I'm, I'm going to kick back at you because because it resonates with me, which is diamonds polishing diamonds. Oh, yeah. I like that. yeah. That's a little cheesy. You're, you're That's a little cheesy, cheesy like like I am. But but it, it's it's a great metaphor that you need diamonds to polish other diamonds. Yeah. And that's what the Anderson MBA experience is like. That each person that's selected for admission and comes here is their own diamond in their own way. Yeah. And then you get another diamond yourself or or your classmate, teammate, and that's how you shine more brightly together. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a metaphor that's based in physical reality that, you know, on a 10 point scale, the diamond, you know, a naturally occurring diamond is the hardest natural substance there is. And literally the only thing that can polish it is micro pieces of other diamond. And so I, I think of the, my, you know, Dean Olean used to say, Dylan, I'll go hire great research, great teaching. You go find mm. great learning. Mm. If I put great research, great teaching in front of great learning, everyone wins. Mm. And you're so you're so ready to go that first quarter in your MBA. You you do the cases. You come to class prepared. You get called on by the professor and you raise your hand and you think you've got this awesome answer and it is an awesome awesome answer. But you, the accountant, answered it differently than mm-hmm. your NASA scientist yeah. peer, who answered it differently than your lawyer peer. They're all three right, and you learn from them. They learn from you, and that's that diamond polished diamond. So it's it's one about surround yourself with excellence. You want to be the best. Surround yourself with the best. And the second part of the metaphor is there is that thing that makes us light up. There are times when we just smile. And it's like, if you aim your career at those things that make you smile, like, wow, this is my noble purpose. I'm, I'm what, are, what are three things? Am I good at it? Will the world pay for it? Does it light me up? The intersection is those three circles. If you use the MBA journey to discern what that is for you, you're going to, you, you, you do yeah. sparkle. You do shine yeah. when you walk in a room. And this is your one and only wild and precious life. Why not? Give yourself every advantage to know what's out there. Once you figure out what's out there, figure out what you like. Once you figure out what you like, figure out how to get good at it. Mm-hmm. Like the MBA is an opportunity for mastery. So that's where Diamonds Polished Diamonds comes from. But I'm glad it stuck with you. Yeah. It's a it's a meme. Yeah, no, it is a meme. <laughs> it needs your face on it with, with your, yeah, that one, exactly. 
<laughs> All right. And, okay. And, but and let me add that that's also why because I finished my MBA 17 years ago. Yeah. But that's why I come back. That's why I come back and volunteer for the admission stuff. Was why I I serve on the Anderson mm-hmm. Alumni Board because you continue to polish that diamond throughout, right? It's not isolated to when you're just in class in, with the faculty and the curriculum. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's a lifelong commitment. So that, that decision to go to business school is not for the next couple of years, three years, or how much it's going to cost me. It's a lifelong commitment to that community, to that network and helping each other, lifting each other up, just or just hanging around and just feeling like, being boosted by by that energy. Well, since you, because it should have been on my prompt list, you know, little shout out to the alumni board. What's what's that experience like? What what's what's you know like what's it like to be a board member at Anderson at UCLA Anderson? I do a lot of alumni stuff, including with the main campus mm-hmm. alumni fairs, UCLA alumni fairs, main campus, and with the law school as well. Since I'm an employee there, I attend some alumni events. But there's something about Anderson alumni. Mm-hmm. Right. There is in a, a vibe, the people, where they are in their career and what they've accomplished is, is second to none. Mm. But then you have people who are already busy. You figure they have families. They have a job that requires too much of them. And yet they volunteer their time. This is not paid. They volunteer their time to, to help put on events, to help build engagement with other alums, to collaborate with other business schools as well. There's a certain personality type that is willing to make that investment. Mm. I could call it a sacrifice because it is a sacrifice, but it really is an investment. It's an investment of time and energy and money to build the alumni association to keep that going and to keep that engagement going. I love those people. Mm. They're, they're the doers. They are the ones that don't have enough time, but find time to do that. And those are the people that I want to surround myself with. They're the, the, the movers and shakers. How long, have, how long are the terms that you serve? Three years at a time. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm interested in getting more heavily invested in, in the network as well and taking a more official leadership capacity. So wait, wait and see. Let, let's see what happens. Okay, good. Because again, it, it's time. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. all have not, we don't, none of us have enough time. We're all busy. But even for the student who has to, has to prioritize, and figure out what's important for them. It's the same thing with me now as an alum. You know, how much more can I invest? And for me, it's important to do that. Mm. It's important for me to bridge the gap between alumni and current students and even admits or prospective MBA candidates because it creates a whole community that ties it all together because we're just one big Anderson. And from there, we're one big UCLA. Mm. And man, again, I go back to I mean, this, this campus and what we've accomplished in just the first hundred years. We're a baby. Yeah, we're just we're a started. baby. Cambridge, you know, yeah, Oxford. been around like, like 300 years or something like that. Mm-hmm. We're, they have a huge head start. But look at us. Our, first to 100 national championships, top business school, law school, med school, you know, just John Wooden. John, John Wooden, of course. Internet. We started that Yeah, here. we started the internet. <laughs> so just so many, so many accolades. And why wouldn't I want a front seat at all that stuff? Mm. And, mm. and that's why I get involved. And that's why I get fired up. Ooh, why wouldn't I want a front seat at all that stuff? Okay. I'm, I'm always listening for <laughs> uh, sound bite. Why wouldn't I want a front seat at all mm-hmm. that stuff? Oh my goodness. I love it. Yeah. Well, thank you for your servant leadership. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, leaders have followers and leaders put themselves in motion. They put themselves on the court. So, well, we're kind of coming to the end of our uh, scheduled questions. I want to give you uh, your choice if there's anything you want to share, but also, because I'm a geek and I love personal productivity stuff. So I've been asking people, you know, what's a, what's a current productivity hack that's working for you, personal, professional that you might want to share. Um, and then, and then are you a morning person or a night person? When are you most productive? Ooh, Ooh, all great questions. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the morning or night person. I've always been more of a night person. Yeah. It sounds like with your buddy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I didn't I'm, mean that kind of night person. <laughs> but I'm trying to change. I'm trying to evolve too. So I'm a grown up know, now. I'm I, running a law school. I, I, I try to wake up earlier. try to hit the gym in the morning. Nice. try to get my day started just because you know, everything I read about the brain waves and all that stuff. It's okay. Like you're so much more productive in the morning. And so I'm, I'm trying that. It's still a struggle. Okay. Right. And because we're very much set in our patterns and in our ways. Um, so, so that's, that's that piece. What, what was the name? Well, like question? productivity. Oh, productivity. What's, what's something like, you know, cause every, like you said, everyone's busy. 
And yet there are things that help. Right. And, and work habits are learnable. Right. Part of it is, this sounds a little bit just a little bit too leadership is like delegate more. Okay. And that's something I've struggled with all my work career and learning to do that a lot more, a lot okay. more effectively and trust people. Good. And, and that, that, that takes a certain change in, in behavior and the way you engage people, way you build up other people. Um, and, but I think, it, I think that's helping, even though I'm just extremely busy. Um, and, and one thing, and I'll say too, it, and it sounds funny, but it seems to work for me because I try to hold myself accountable every day to it, which is do your dishes. Do your dishes. Oh, do your dishes. And it sounds funny. But like, don't leave them. Don't leave them. Yeah. Because what I find is like, I tend to think about all the things I need to do mm -hmm. and think about them mm -hmm. and think about them mm -hmm. and think. And so if you just started doing them instead of just dwelling on them, you'd be a lot more productive. Nice. And I feel like doing your dishes is one of those things where, you know, if you, if you do them at night before you get to bed or before you leave for work in the morning, that's one thing that you've now accomplished. Yeah. You come home. And it's it's empty, right? right. Or or it, or and maybe some people so maybe it doesn't bother some people. It bothers me. I hate yeah. when I have dishes in there. But I know as if I leave them in the in the sink and I come home, I'm like oh man, they're soaking. Yeah, yeah, they're soaking. <laughs> so, I gotta let it soak. <laughs> no, I'm just lazy. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's a great answer. But it it it's it's taking something off that mental to do list, and I think yeah. that's really the the biggest piece is. It, it, for me, what I found is like, it's not having enough time to do something. It's having enough emotional energy to do it. Mm. Mm -hmm. And time time is, is still a, a, a commodity and still limited and it's a finite resource, but it's the emotional energy that's really hard. Mm. So I've been, so my hack has been to start eliminating things that consume emotional energy. Nice. It may not, it, like I might have something like I'm part of a couple of different boards as well, mm -hmm. business boards. And some of those boards maybe only take an hour a week, maybe like mm -hmm. nothing. That's like I can afford thirty an hour a week, but the emotional energy attached to that mm. can drain you of the resources you need to do other things. Hmm. Not the time, not that one hour, but the emotional energy associated with it, which could be you know ten hours worth of emotional energy. Hmm. And so that's my hack is to start eliminating those things and seeing emotional energy as as a resource in and of itself. Hmm. And the and the physicality of the dishes, like it's it's binary. Right. They're done. They're not done. Right. They're done. There's there's kind of a, a little hit with that. Right. It's like right. get get an accomplishment. I, I haven't even walked out of the house and I got a check. Right. On my checklist. Right. And if you don't, you know that's in your little to do box that needs to be checked off when you come home. Right. So that's just so that's just to get rid of that. So it's 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 a silly example, but I feel like it's representative of what I'm trying to convey. Well, and you know, John Wooden, I love this, you know, the, our famous coach who won the NCAA championship 10 times, but they, you know, he, they, they love to say he, he didn't coach during the game. Mm. Now, why aren't you coaching? And he'd, he'd roll up the program and he'd pace the sideline and he'd psychologically engage with the other team's star players. Yeah, you know, you miss your three throws. <laughs> like, like he was a, he was a Navy SEAL, basketball <laughs> yeah. SEAL. But he, you know, his, his, his answer was, if I do my job right, I got my job done during practice. And he was meticulous and, and his practices were start on time, end on time, the drills down to the to the second or to the minute, you know, but but the players are going to play the game. Yeah. So as a leader, yeah. you're delegating. But if you got your people set up right, they know what Steve wants. You knew what John wanted. Mm -hmm. I mean, your reason for being was make John win. Right. And now you've probably got people who are making Steve win and you're developing the trust to let them do it. Yeah. That's a nice summary of it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, leadership is a performance art. Yeah. You know, rule book for this. I mean, you can learn the very best lessons from the very smartest organizational behavior faculty here. Great. Mm -hmm. And you got to walk into your life and trust that you can actually do what they taught you. Right. And that's where it gets really real. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and it should be a lifelong process. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, honing the, the educational experience that we learn and see what works, what doesn't which also changes over time and changes with the positions as well. And if your dad is still working the farm at 88, I bet he's still creative about what, you know, like I bet he's still learning. Yeah. I, I don't know. I haven't met your father, but I would, it's like, you don't, you're not, that's cool. Like, can you imagine being vital when you're 88? Like, that's a neat thing. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I hope I can, I'll be that. I yeah. hope I'll be that. <laughs> Me too. Right. Yeah. Cause not everyone is right. So, okay. Last, uh, last free free choice. Anything you want to say to these fine people? Thank you for listening, and watching.
Yeah, if you're still with us here. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> wake up! Wake yeah, up! If we haven't like uh, <laughs> if you're still with you us, off, yeah. they're riveted. They're riveted. Come on. If you're a prospective applicant, find the right time. Find make sure that this is the right decision for you, and then just go for it. Mm -hmm. uh, it it is worth it. It is an investment into your future, and and, and like I said, it, it's been one of the most valuable things to me. And so. What I received is what I'm trying to pay back now mm. with the, the volunteering and whatnot, because it's 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 a, it's it's like recycling. Mm -hmm. You're recycling this this amazing things that you received and giving it, paying it forward and giving it to others, which is why I bring mentees and other prospective people who may be years away from from Anderson or an MBA, and so planting those seeds. That really, it's not about just receiving. And when you're, when you're first in school, you're always thinking like, okay, what am I going to learn? What am I going to learn? It's really about then giving back. Mm. And I, I think that seems like kind of a nice way to close here is to give back, give back in your time, give back in your energy, in, in your knowledge, your, your network, your community, and kind of make this organization as amazing as it is even better. Yeah, our next even 100 better. years. Yeah, our next 100 years. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Be the light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for your time. Uh, I said at the outset, uh, Steve is an alumni success. He's a life success. He's a person I respect tremendously. He's one of my cross-campus peers. We call each other. I, I seek him out for counsel as, you know, navigating the ins and outs of a, of a career. It yeah. takes, takes good quality friends. Yeah. Thank you for being one of those good quality friends in my life. Um, I hope we've enjoyed uh, getting to hear from the CFO and the Assistant Dean of the UCLA Law School, public speaker. You need public speaking 101, hire him. He'll come into your shop nights and weekends. He's got a side hustle. And if next time you're in the Bahamas, yeah. peace and plenty. Plenty. <laughs> they can find it on the web. Yep, absolutely. Awesome, yep. awesome, yep. awesome. Thank you so much for Dylan, your time. Dylan, you're amazing. Thank you for everything you do for, for the Anderson community yourself. I appreciate it. Yeah, and my friendship with you as well. All right, good deal. All right, thank you for listening. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.